1: Goodbye, 2020. Hello, 2021. Welcome to Kego Lasso. We have Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce as we look ahead and predict a busy, busy 2021. We talk the European Championships. We talk who will win every single major league. We talk MLS, the United States men's national team, of course, and the United States women's national team. We have so many stories, so many predictions. Stay right here. Kego Lasso predicting 2021 begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of Kego Lasso. It's the final of our trio of holiday content extravaganza. And I welcome, of course, Heath Pierce. Heath, how are you, buddy?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's good to see your faces. You know, I started to get uh, some withdrawals this week, not uh, not jumping on the pod with you guys. So I'm glad to be back before the end of the year.
1: Well, we missed you so much. I uh, love to see all those books behind you. I hope that you read at least two of them. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, how are you, brother?
3: I'm doing great. I'm just excited that uh, Heath knows what books are, so he clearly is getting into uh, that librarian mode of his life. So, uh, glad to see you, Heath. I'll tell
2: you, there's there's not as many pictures in these books as I'd like, but uh, you know, I'm trying. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, there's always another year. And with that being said, today, as we mentioned in the intro, it's about 2021. Good riddance, 2020. We don't want to talk about you. This is all about 2021. And today, Jimmy, Heath, and myself will talk about the predictions and the stories in the world of soccer as we look ahead to a brand new year. Super excited. And to begin with, we will begin with league action in Europe. As, of course, all the leagues, all the seasons will wrap up uh, around May and, of course, the end of May and June, we wanted to just give a quick prediction on what we think will happen. And we begin, of course, with the Premier League. Let's begin with you, Mountain Man, Heath Pierce. How do you see this one? The Premier League, uh, the most talked about league in the world, arguably. What do you see will be the conclusion of that one?
2: Ah oh, man, right on the spot from the very beginning. <laughs> look, I, I, when, I, when I was doing sort of like the big five leagues and trying to figure out, okay, who's going to fall into place? And as Jimmy mentioned on an email that, you know, just a few weeks ago, we were sort of like, let's see what happens when you go through this, the holiday period, it's going to shape up. Hopefully we'll have somebody emerge that's an, that's an underdog of some kind. But it's starting to look a lot more like the safe bet is on the, on the big teams coming back. But on the Premier League specifically, I'm going to go with Man City. It's a little bit of a hot take. Uh, but they have a game in hand. If they were to win that, they would, they would, they would be three points behind uh, Liverpool. So I think they'd be in second second or third place. I know game in hand means nothing. But Man City, I think, is one where I started to put them into the Champions League category. Like, maybe this is their Champions League year. And I was like, nah, if they're going to do anything, it'd be the Premier League. And so I see them sneaking back and going on a run in the second half of the season and uh, finishing on top. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a hot take. It's not a safe bet like a Liverpool, um, who I think are cruising too. But I'm, I'm going to go with Man City uh, in the Premier League.
1: Well, I wanted your opinion, and that's what it is. Man City, of course, will Pep Guardiola do it? Jimmy, what do you see in the Premier League as we wrap it up next year?
3: I don't think Man City's going to do it. I think they are going to put all their eggs in the Champions League basket, but I don't think they're going to win it until Messi shows up over the side. That's my big hot take there. I don't know if it's much of a hot take. I actually think that if Jurgen Klopp can win the league title with Liverpool this season, it could be one of his most masterful managerial performances. They're somehow still getting results. They've only lost once this season, despite not having Virgil van Dijk, arguably. Well, I don't even know if he had to argue about it, the best center back in the world right now and, and still piecing it together to get results. If they can manage this, I don't think he's going to come back per se, but if they can manage this, this, uh, I don't know, this, this busy time in the schedule... And as things start to space out coming down the stretch run, I mean, it's only a matter of time before you get the guys firing up top. Everybody comes back. Tiago Alcantara is going to really help unlock, I think, teams that sit 10 people behind the ball in a lot of different ways. They're going to have some options. I don't think it's going to – it's going to probably take some pressure off of the back four, I guess, is where I'm trying to go with this. I like Liverpool to win the league. I think that uh, Spurs would be my outside chance. I know they're in a tough run and everybody's crying for Jose Mourinho and this and that. But they've given up a lot of last-minute goals to drop points. Bobby Firmino, the 90th minute uh, just recently against Wolves uh, prior to Crystal Palace. Like, they had leads. They were in control of these games. And then for whatever reason, there's a trend emerging about them giving up late goals. If I they can somehow figure that out, I think Spurs... I know it's a bit of a long shot. You guys are rolling your eyes. Uh, I I just think that maybe there's an outside chance there of that. But I do think at the very least, Mourinho will win something of consequence, whether it's the Europa League, League Cup, FA Cup. I don't know. He's going to win some kind of trophy for Spurs. And that hopefully should keep their favorite.
2: Of course you threw FA Cup
3: in there as as
2: one (laughs) of the trophies. Of course you did, you know.
1: (laughs) Hey, listen, I'm not rolling my eyes at all. If there is a season where you can maybe hope for an outsider to win this, or at least somebody that hasn't won in a long time, it is now. I mean, look at the table now as we wrap up. Of the year. It's not, you know, uh, the difference, the margin and points is really not that bad uh, in terms of other people. I want to say somebody like Manchester United so badly. I want to do that, even especially because we've gone back and forth with Ole Gunnar Soldier, of course, but they do have the talent to do it. It's just, it's just, it's very difficult to always think anybody outside of Liverpool of Man City, but this would be the year to do it. Having said all that, I'm with Jimmy. I think Liverpool is winning the league. I just think that um, Jurgen Klopp, the energy that he brings and the uh, the sort of tactical... Uh, analysis and awareness of what he can do, even with a depleted squad is going to be enough for him to overtake. I think Man City is a very good argument. I don't think it's a hot take. I think, you know, I mean, look, they're eighth, you know, it's not like they're like completely running away with anything right now. Uh, I just, I worry a lot about up front actually. Before it was at the back that we would worry about. I worry about up front. Gabriel Jesus, is he enough? Sergio Aguero's injuries continue to like bug them. You know, I just think that I don't know if it's enough for them to overtake. They've already lost twice in the league. This could happen a little bit more in 2021. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. It's Man City, but I'm sticking. I I think I'm with Jimmy. I think it's going to be Liverpool. Any final thoughts as we move on? Because we have so much to talk about
2: yeah my last thing is that I, I expect city to win a major trophy as well this year so I'll, I'll come back to that as we as we move on but that i i and, I, and not the fa cup
1: all right okay. but listen we want to talk about all the leagues but we don't want to spend too much time on them let's talk about the easy one the obvious one bundesliga who's winning this jimmy conrad
3: yeah, Bayern Munich, it's not even a question. I do want to give a shout-out to Bayer Leverkusen, though. I think they've been very impressive this season. Borussia Dortmund, I think, will fight a little bit, but they need Erling Haaland back as soon as humans possible. Well, RB Leipzig will probably be in the conversation as well, but this is Bayern Munich's league.
2: Yeah, Heath. Yeah, I'm going with the same thing. Bayern Munich. Yeah, I, I don't want to eat up too much of this podcast time uh, on, on something like this. Uh, it's not too trivial. I think Bayern finally found their gap and they're going to run away with it. Um, it, may, it may be tight in the end, but I just don't see Bayern with the quality that they have and the rotation that they already have back in their squad with, with uh, players coming back from injury, you know, Alphonso Davies playing minutes again that, that they can give up this title.
1: Yep, I will concur with Bo, Jimmy and uh, Heath, uh, Bayern Munich taking this special shout out to teams like Bayern Leverkusen, RB Leipzig, Dortmund, but this is Bayern Munich's league to be lost and they're not going to do it. Bayern Munich will take it. All right, let's go to Serie A. This is an intriguing one uh, because there is a battle in Milan, of course, about it. Juventus, of course, you can't ignore the power of Juventus. Uh, is there anybody from the outside that can do this? Maybe AC Milan will once again reclaim Scudetto. Jimmy Conrad, what do you see here?
3: I like Inter Milan. I actually think that because they're not in Europe anymore, because they don't have to worry about that competition, the pressure of that Antonio Conte, I think he probably will make some moves in the transfer window to help bolster their squad. Maybe it's Diego Costa, who knows? But uh, I do think that they have the talent for sure. And if they can get rid of the Christian Eriksen situation, which I think is hanging over them a little bit, and they can keep strengthening their squad and their identity a bit, and Romelu Lukaku and and Letaro can keep scoring goals, and then I, I like Inter to do it. I think Milan's going to struggle a bit, unless Milan does some action in the transfer window. If Zaha comes uh, or Edouard from Celtic, you know, if they can strengthen up top a little bit. I think that Milan have the capability of doing it. I just think they're a little young right now. And I know Zlatan's age kind of balances it, but I like Inter to do it.
1: How about you, Heath? Yeah.
2: Yeah, this one as well. Uh, I started to lean towards intro this morning of saying the same thing as Jimmy said in terms of what they have to play for right now. Um, but I'm going to stick with AC Milan. I, I, I'm i sort of I, I sort of started to, to bet them out because I looked across the roster like, yeah, they're young. You have you have Brahim Diaz, you have Leao. It's, it's just seems like it's got this recipe of a Dortmund where two, three game run and they start to fall apart. Add that to all the games and the complications of their schedule. But I'm going to stick with him. I think, uh, I think Zlatan's doing something special there. And I think if you look at uh, AC Milan's history, there's a lot of momentum finally happening in a positive way. If you remember a few years ago where, um, I'm blanking on his name, the goalkeeper, uh, right now was, uh, Donnarumma was going to have to be sold if they didn't make Champions League it, and they could sell him for half the price. That was the AC Milan of old. And now there's this really positive sentiment and vibe around them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with AC Milan to ride this out for, uh, for a title.
1: Yeah, Serie A is a super intriguing one, of course. I mean, listen, we uh, Juventus is actually 10 points behind AC Milan right now. I don't know what that means uh, as we talk in December. Maybe nothing. Roma, by the way, our third with 27 points. Wouldn't it be amazing if Napoli, in the season where Diego Maradona passed away, they kind of reclaim El Scudetto. That would be incredible. But I'm going to go with Heath Pierce here. I think AC Milan will take it. They're undefeated. I think they've managed to continue their run without Zlatan Ibrahimovic after the injuries. I think it's a very good argument for Inter Milan to take it, especially to Jimmy's point about the fact that they don't have to worry about anything else but the league and... That could very well happen, but I don't know. I keep, I, I was looking at a photo of me when I was 13, wearing a George wear AC Milan shirt. I got all nostalgic. I'm going to go with AC Milan in this one. Um, all right, let's keep going. Cause so much to talk about. Let's talk about Liga super fast. Who do you have here, Heath Pierce?
2: God, is this so, it, it, it kills me inside to know that just two weeks ago, we were talking a whole nother conversation of potential winners, but um, actually, you know what? Oh, I just, I'm just going back and forth and I'm going to have to go with PSG managerial change. There's just, there's too much depth and too much quality. I, I like what Leon's doing. I don't think Lille were ever really had a chance to run away with this though. They do have um, you know, they are in form right now. And um, so I'm, I'm going to go with PSG to ride this one out by the end of the season. It'll probably, you know, be sitting in two and second and third place, but if Pochettino does come in and has, has his, his impact on the club, uh and they buy into the system i don't see why a a psg shouldn't win this league year after year
1: yeah jimmy
3: yeah i agree (laughs) psg yeah yeah p uh dollar sign g is going to win this one (laughs) i think they have quality pochettino i think is going to bring in a little bit more stability maybe get a different type of respect i think they'll have that new manager bounce to start and then i think he's going to put some things in place maybe get some players in that that are really going to settle the team a little bit uh for as talented as they are they still lack a little bit of identity. And I know they've had a lot of guys hurt. I think the loss of Tiago Silva's hurt them quite a bit. So they have to figure out a couple different areas. But yeah, ultimately, I think they have the players too much quality and, and ultimately the the steely I don't know, resolve that you need to have to be a champion. You know, we can talk about Leon and Lille being there maybe in the last couple of weeks before the season ends. But I just think that the, the experience that, that PSG have accrued over the years is going to make sure that they're champions again.
1: Yeah, I'm Luis, not. Real quick. Yeah, go ahead.
3: I, I want to ask you guys this
2: when you look at Thomas Tuchel, does he give you the managerial presence of when you look at him, just literally physically look at him, where you go, Yeah, I
3: could respect that guy. <laughs> He's always he looks he looks, he looks like a man he looks like, I, like a manager at Office Depot. You're like, no, sir, so where's the paper? You know.
2: You when yeah when you look at all the other managers and this is terrible to say but they just have this regalness to them this this different level of something and Thomas Tuchel is a is is a proven winner but like when you look at him and you look at Mauricio Pochettino you just look at two different people where you know you don't know a, Pochettino might punch you in the throat if you look at him the wrong way you know and that's like Thomas Tuchel I, I you know. He he. Uh, Tom, he's a great manager, but sometimes he looks like he might go in the shower and cry from time to time. Thomas you know I mean?
3: Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel looks like he's <laughs> gonna look like Mister Burns. Uh, you know, when he gets older, that's that's kind of the vibe. He's
1: there. <laughs> the shade on Thomas Tuchel right now. <laughs> no, no, listen, no, no. I, the only thing that I'll say is this: I just never thought he was the right man for PSG because PSG, as to your point, he needs somebody that's willing to just, you know, tell these uh, ego-centric stars, you know, listen, you you're here to do a job take care of it. I feel like Mauricio Pochettino will do that. Thomas Tuchel is very good for a Bundesliga team that's trying to do the business. I don't think he was the right fit for PSG. Uh, Let's keep going here because we have so much. We haven't even finished the first. Let's talk about La Liga. This is a good one. Uh, The battle in Madrid right now, Atletico and Real Madrid. Jimmy, let's begin with you. What do you see here?
3: Well, I'm an Atleti supporter, so I'm going to reverse jinx this. I think that Real Madrid are going to win the league again. Uh, As much as Atleti's been dominant, I still, I don't know if I'm completely on board with what they're bringing to the table. And I say that because they were pretty uneven in the Champions League. All of a sudden, they were under a little bit of pressure. You know, they didn't play aesthetically pleasing. In some games they did, but I just think there's some vulnerabilities there that other teams can can uh, attack. And I think when Real Madrid figures it out and gets out of their own way, and they usually have a slow start to the season, uh, they're going to figure out a way to beat champions. But again, I think it's a reverse jinx. I really wanted Leti to win. (laughs) (laughs) Heath, how do you see it? Barcelona's got no chance, by the way, though. Oh,
1: yeah. No, no. Yeah. Heath, how do you see it? Yeah, the reason why I didn't even bring up Barcelona is (laughs) because I really just don't think it's going to happen. Heath, how do you see it?
2: God, it eats me up inside having to do this at this point of the year. It, it it just hasn't worked out like I had hoped. My the dreamer in me. I'm going. I'm going to go with Real Madrid. If you look at their form guide, I think they found it, especially in the league. Um, again, I do think there could be some complications with Europe and and what what their priorities are, but. <clears throat> It all goes back to, to Zidane. I think he has an ability to rally that team even through tough times. And we're talking about drama and they know that there's drama within the team and there's poor form. I think they've found it now. They're, they've, they've won their last five straight, maybe more than that. Um, and so I, I just don't see how, you know, when you put their form up against the potential form of an Atletico, I tend to see some sort of dip along the way, even though they've got, I think, six points uh, or two games in hand right now and tied on points. So uh, I think Real Madrid... Uh, take this one and and another title goes to the evil. No, Nothing against Real Madrid, by the way, uh, but it's just, it was one of these years. It was just, it, it was, it's shaping up to something special and it's just going to fall back into the football gods uh, leaning towards the Giants.
1: It is very difficult to go against Real Madrid when you have that much depth in squad. The experience from in Zidane is just very difficult. But I tell you what, two seasons ago, when Joao Felix came into this team for Atleti, I said they'll win the league. I was wrong. Maybe I was a year late because I really feel that they can do this. I feel that Simeone has figured out not to completely tire out his squad and maybe go on a run. The key thing, everybody, is going to be the first week of March when Atletico Madrid has to face Real Madrid right on the 7th, then Getafe right? Uh, the following week. And then Chelsea, Atletico Madrid and the champions. I feel if they can just take care of business during that time, it will be there. So I'm going to go with Atletico Madrid uh, just just, just to make it interesting. All right. Let's keep Thank going. You, Luis. You're a better man than I am. <laughs> hey, I'm not putting any money on it. I'm just predicting <laughs> it. All right. Let's keep going. Uh, let's talk about the champions league. A very interesting uh, knockout stage to come up in February. Super intriguing matchups. Uh, It's honestly, obviously Bayern remain one of the favorites, but I feel like it's anybody's game. Jimmy Conrad, Champions League. Who's winning this one?
3: Yeah. I'm going with Bayern Munich. I think they have been unbeatable in this competition that's been proven over the last, let's see, the start of the last Champions League, where they didn't lose any games through this group stages. They won five and drew one. And... When you have to face a team like that over two legs, now we're going back to the two-legged affair. I just think, I don't, yeah, you might get them in one leg, but I don't think you're going to beat them overall when you start to do the aggregate stuff. And then when you get to the one-off final, I just think they have a lot of experience. It's the best player in the world currently with Robert Lewandowski. The guy hasn't slowed down. Uh, I just think this is Bayern Munich's trophy to lose. I think they're going to do it again with all due respect to, to everybody else in the competition. I, I just think pound for pound when those guys are healthy and firing. Uh, they, they are the best best club in the world Heath uh, if if uh, I agree with Jimmy if uh,
2: Man City are not able to climb the table and, and are looking at just uh, safely in top four I'm going with Man City if Man City are challenging for a title I'm going Bayern Munich I I, I, I truly do we've seen it over history English teams really struggle uh in the back half of the season with complicated schedules when they have a lot to play for and they're you know and they do have the fa cup open and and it's later in the rounds and they do have the premier league title they're chasing and the champions league so they are safely or looking at a safe position in the top four but not a title i'm going to go with man city uh and champions league and uh, otherwise I'm, I'm going Bayern munich all the way not that that should matter by the way but that's just my two predictions because i'm a coward
1: well, is your original we, prediction would be wrong, then, if you predicted Man City to win the league. So if yeah, they, what's going
3: on? I just, what's, all going, what's going on, Luis? Thanks for calling him out. I feel like this guy's sponsored by the Etihad over here. Hashtag, <laughs> that, hashtag, <laughs> spawn.
1: He's getting Venmo right i to get right a free flight out to <laughs> see my <laughs> Now, listen, like, I think they're both legitimate arguments. I, I remember being asked this a few weeks ago, and I just gave a, a gamble, like a, just a throw in the wind of, of Chelsea maybe taking this one I've kind of loosened up a little bit on that I'm not sure if they're the ones to take it with Mauricio Pochettino now at PSG I just feel that looks so tasty Pochettino to return to PSG to return yeah because he was a captain uh, not too long ago returned to PSG and finally delivered the title for for the trillionaires Uh, I feel that's going to happen I think that PSG will take it so we have PSG Bayern Munich and Manchester City if, or somehow, whatever, but maybe Bayern Munich in that one, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, guys, predictions are if this, then that when it comes to me.
1: Yeah, well Heath, you wanted to bring something up about the Champions League because in one way or another, we might we might see an American winning it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit less than 50% of the teams right now, right? I think it's teams, uh, seven, seven Americans on six teams. And so when you look at the 16, those are also big clubs. Uh, obviouslys would 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 allow for uh, Chris Richards to be a champion uh, if Man City can't do it. We don't have an American at Man City, but yeah, Zach six out of the seven Americans. Zach
3: Stefan, dude, Zach Stefan. Oh yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I might be on seven. Yeah, I, I'm. We're winning it. We're the U.S. <laughs> is winning
3: the Champions League. But uh,
2: no, but it, if you yeah. if you. Yeah, if you look at the matchups, you know, seven players, maybe eight um, at, at that number. But, you know, there's, there's a really high chance, uh, probability that an American could win. Uh, again, uh, Barcelona, maybe. I, I highly doubt that. But there, there are players in it for us to potentially see an American winning uh, this year. Close to a 50% chance of an American winning the
3: Champions League this season.
1: Yeah, yeah that, that would be
3: the first time since uh, Jovan won went with Dortmund in 1996. So wow. that, would be, that would be a big deal.
1: It would be a very big deal. And, you know, the emergence of it is is, is really good to see the United States uh, men's national team see so many stars and just not even just, oh, they're going to be in Europe. The fact that they could win the Champions League is a big, big factor. All right, final point before we take a break. Lionel Messi, everybody, he will be the talking point of every transfer, newspaper, front page, back page, you name it. We've already seen so much of what's going on in 2020 from his uh, you know, disappointing uh, relationship with Bartomeu in the summer to recently talking to La Sexta in Spain about you know, what he envisions. Jimmy Conrad, we've talked to Fabrizio a lot about this. Uh, where is he going or is he staying at Barcelona? What do you see, Jimmy?
3: I don't think he's staying. Uh, I think he's showing all the respect that he can to the club that he is basically family with at this point. I think he's going to go to Manchester City. I think there's some signs that that point to it with Pep Guardiola re-signing his contract for two years. Kevin De Bruyne also extending his contract for five I think there is some tease of like, let's go, let's bring Messi in. That'll help kind of solve the problems. I think that City aren't the same team without David Silva as an option for them. I think Messi obviously would solve a few of those problems and take some of the pressure off Kevin De Bruyne moving forward. So I like City to win the Champions League next season, Heath Pierce <laughs> but, but, but also, I'm very intrigued about Mauricio Pochettino going to PSG and them making this move to sack Tuchel before the transfer window because... Neymar's made hints and dropped hints that uh, they want to be reunited. Uh, Messi said that he would like that as well. Pochettino's a fellow Argentinian. Uh, I think there is some, some goodwill there. I don't think Tuchel, to, to, <laughs> to Heath's point before, Like there's nothing that really excites you about Tuchel when you see him on the sideline. But I think Pochettino would potentially lure Messi to go there. I do, though, I'm interested. There's a lot of narratives here. But because Barcelona are in some dire straits financially, I do wonder if Messi will re-sign and then have like a, you know, a release clause that's closer to 100 million or something like that, where, where City and a PSG could afford that price. Those are the only two clubs that I think he would end up going to. And that way it could maybe solve some of the book's stuff and maybe get them out of some, some of that financial trouble. If they can get at least 100 million for him, nobody's gonna pay 200 million for him, but maybe 100. So I wonder if there could be some of that back room stuff going on where he could help save the club and still kind of walk out of the club as a hero to make sure that they had some money coming in for his departure. Otherwise, he leaves on a free and that would be absolutely tragic for Barcelona at this point. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see in a lot of different ways what happens, but I don't think Messi's staying at Barcelona.
1: Yeah, some really good points there, Heath, from Jimmy. Uh, by the way, in our transfer special with Fabrizio, one of the things that obviously he highlighted was like, look, he's not making any final decision until he sees uh, the ultimate results of the new board and the new elections with Barcelona. So that's a, a major point. I'm actually not going to say too much here because I agree 100%. I think... It's all set. Him and Guardiola are having a private WhatsApp messaging channel here. It, they want to reunite again. I feel like he's going to Man City. He also loves the idea of playing in MLS, and I feel that that will be part of the contract. Well, in the final stages, he'll come to NYCFC. I just, I see it happening. I feel that like Pochettino was an interesting, intriguing factor for from a PSG perspective, as well as Neymar, of course. But I feel like that the Guardiola relationship is very special to both him and that manager. What do you see, Heath?
2: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I won't, I, I won't say too much different. Obviously, I'd love to see him in Major League Soccer in a market that I think would be better for him than New York City. I would love to see him in Miami. I would love to see him in Los Angeles. Um, I think um, it, it makes the most sense to go through the city to uh, Manchester and always have that sort of parachute clause of if it's not working out or you're not performing or you're eating a giant wage bill, <clears throat> move him on to New York or a plan like that where you know they have a larger – a larger plan in place, which I think is a little bit crooked uh, in the grand scheme of things. But th- these are the rules that are set, and and, and I think that's probably going to happen. Uh, PSG would be an attractive one, but I again, we're talking about two sovereign funds that can pay it, and and I don't know. Did don't, my only question to all that is if if Messi were to resign, which I think would be the right thing to do. People are going to be like, uh, would wouldn't City or PSG just be like, eh? Doesn't make sense for us to go and reward a club who's gone through a lot and obviously had ha, you know having to do these things to, to make the club survive. Are we really going to go and pay hundred million for somebody who was just about, or would have been, or should have been free. I don't know if that's anybody's going to do those kinds of favors, uh, knowing that Messi is up there in age, right? I think Messi leaves Barcelona, not just because of the situation in Barcelona, but because his best days at Barcelona and the team he had around him are behind him. He's not going to come into, he will come into city and obviously do better than a David Silva, but how many years until Messi hits that one wall where you're like, okay, this is the arguably the greatest player of all time, but, can he do it uh, every single week? Can he do it at the messy level where you're getting 60 goals out of him every season? You're maybe looking at a season or two max. And so if you're not going to win titles in those years, you got to get out. And I think that's why he leaves Barcelona as well.
1: Yeah, and a major person or brand is Adidas in all of this uh, as well, of course. So that'll be a very intriguing part of this whole narrative. All right, when we come back, when we come back, we will dive right into the United States both men and women, as they look ahead to a very, very promising 2021. Stay right here.
0: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to Que Welcome back. And now it's all about the U.S. Uh, We all know how well the United States men's national team is doing Uh, So many stars playing in big, big teams. It's now about 2021 and the key World Cup qualifiers. Jimmy Conrad, let's begin with you. A big year for the U.S. in 2021.
3: Yeah, one of my big storylines for 21 is the continued emergence of Americans over in Europe. And then obviously the ones that are continuing to blossom in MLS and whether they stay and and do their thing uh, domestically or whether they go abroad. I think the big trend is to go abroad and and try to take that stepping stone. I kind of look at 21 year old center back Mark McKenzie from the Philadelphia Union, who are arguably the best team in the league (laughs) before the playoffs started. And he was a big reason why in the back now. Sometimes I think it's hard for European clubs to want to take a big splash on a young center back because there's so much, you know, I feel like you hit your peak at 2728. So you want to go get your experience somewhere else. I see Celtic are interested in him. I, t- I tell him to stay away from that dumpster fire with all due respect to hoops fans out there. It's just not a good spot. Neil Lennon, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Big conversation there. But also uh, Genk in, in Belgium. They're second right now. They're obviously playing in some European competition. I think that'd be a nice stepping stone for him to go get that. Very similar to Reggie Cannon leaving FC Dallas to go to Boa Vista. Then hopefully he'll make those steps to Lille. And then onwards and upwards he goes. You know, obviously the big names, you got Pulisic, you got McKinney, you got Tyler Adams, you got Sa- Josh Sargent, you got Sergino Dest. We, we know those guys, and I, I want them to continue to flourish and get valuable minutes, which they're earning. But I'm kind of curious about the next way. Brian Reynolds is another FC Dallas Academy player that's getting a lot of hype. We know both Inter Milan and AC Milan are interested, and UV Juve, is interested as well. He has been a, a striker that got converted to a right back once Reggie Cannon left, and he's been really tearing it up. There's a really a lot of high praise about him. But there's so much other guys that are kind of on the precipice of blowing up. Uh, we have Glosser and Ledesma at PSV, Mendez at Ajax, Uh, Yaines and Caio at Wolfsburg, even though they're both either at Wolfsburg 2 or loaned out to Hirinveen. We got Conrad de la Fuente, who hopefully when Messi leaves will get a lot more valuable minutes at Barcelona. Uh, So this is going to be great. I think a byproduct of these guys continuing to get experience, both domestically or abroad, is that it should help us for World Cup qualifying, like you said. We have the Gold Cup this upcoming summer as well, uh, which got postponed due to COVID this summer. And then we have the Olympics, we haven't qualified for the Olympics in the last two rounds, which is honestly is frankly unacceptable we didn't qualify for the World Cup as well and I'm still bitter about it don't really want to go there. And these are the guys that I think we're really going to have to rely on in a lot of different ways to have success in all these competitions. Now I think that the big challenge for Greg Berhalter the manager of the men's national team is, who do I take to which competition. You know, because if you take a couple players of the Gold Cup, they might miss out on the Olympics. But it would really be nice for them to get kind of immersed in the first team as opposed to playing in what is essentially a U23 competition for the Olympics. I don't know. Obviously, we got to qualify for these things and put ourselves in a position to do do that. And these are good problems to have. I feel like we have depth at a lot of different options, and yet some of them are pretentious, But a lot of these players have already proved themselves, and that's a great thing.
1: Yeah, a very good problem to have, Heath Pierce, for uh, as we look to the U.S. Uh, in 2021.
2: Yeah, for me, this is about uh, converting those dual nationals. We've had a lot of those guys come in from Akinola, Daryl DK to uh, Florian Belogan. Um, he hasn't obviously come in. Efrain Alvarez, you know, Andres Pere- Perea. These guys Moussa, are all players yeah. that can potentially uh, – yeah, Musa uh, yeah, especially as well. These are all players that can choose something different still. And we've excited them, we've enticed them, and now we need them to commit, right? And now you have this summer where it's pretty much make or break. So Akinola has – did a call up to, to Canada. So he's still on the fence with things too, which rightfully he should be until he's ready. Um, if Alvarez, I think is going to withhold from the January camp as well, just sort of until he figures things out. And so I think, I think it's going to be, that's, that's the story for me is getting those players to convert and buy in because you want more depth. You want these players to not be like, you know, uh, if you're going to talk, you Hey, you're going to be in the 2026 world cup because obviously uh, and you make a team, you want them to compete for the best team in the best spots. And you want that to be the mentality, not somebody who's going to be promised anything or guaranteed anything. If you're a young player right now in the squad, you're like, I actually like our chances of going deep in 2026 or doing well in 2022. And I want to compete for a spot in in that team. And so that's really a story for me. The other story, by the way, the national team is the U 17 and 20 world cups being canceled, which I think is again, uh, a huge detriment to, to the overall development. We have, if you look at the, the Wales game, look, the El Salvador game, mostly players, you know, so when you're at our Olympic really, really light, if those players can be released for that, obviously Greg's got to again, manage that schedule between that and a gold cup, but the, the the Olympics and qualifying for the Olympics, it's going to be hard to get certain players for the qualifiers, but if you can get them into the Olympics, I like the chances of that as well, because most of those players, again, outside of maybe three or four in that Wales game are under 23. And then that, again, those, those, those U 20 players, those players that are going to be breaking out. A lot of them are, you know, Brian Uko of, 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 um, of Salzburg and you've got a uh, from Wolfsburg. A lot of these guys are U-20 eligible, the 2001s and beyond. And there's gonna be a lot of breakout players that we're gonna miss because of the U-20 and U-17s that might have to now make that jump to the Olympic team at 17, 18 years old uh, in order to, to stay in that cycle. So it's a really busy schedule. Um, but again, uh, Mark McKenzie is one that you wanna see emerge. Uh, Understanding that again, Jimmy, I don't think uh, Celtic is the right, was the right move for him. And if he ends up going to, to Belgium, just like we're seeing at Boa Vista, it, it's a good, we're starting to see these different trajectories. I'm, I know I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but these different trajectories for players to take the right steps, not making too big a leaps, and, and we're starting to see success with that.
1: Yeah, I think the key thing is that now the overall football market The biggest markets in Europe specifically are now looking at American talent as a legitimate place to find not just players, but stars. And I think that that's a really good thing for both the U.S. and the development development of North American players as we look ahead to 2021. All right. From the men to the women. Right? The machine, the World Cup champions, that is the United States men's national team. Of course, many of those players uh, play also not just in the NWSL, but they play in England and Europe. And, you know, this is an intriguing year, 2021, for them, because the Olympics is obviously the ultimate, uh, you know, uh, proverbial and literal trophy that they want. But it's going to be intriguing, uh, Heath Beers, because. You know, the very beginning of the year, there's not much action, especially for For those who play in the NWSL, the NWSL is meant to have a challenge cup, but not till the spring. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop. Having said all that, you know, Megan Rapinoe hopes to make more of a presence in 2021. Carly Lloyd as well is still in conversation with Vlad Kondonovsky. How do you see the women in 2021 as other teams, uh, your Englands, your Netherlands, your France's, are trying to dethrone uh, the champion that is the women in the US?
3: I'm going to say that... The U.S. women's national team are having good problems here, right? They have an old generation of players that have led them to two cup titles that are starting to, I don't know, evolve past maybe their, their status before. And these younger players are starting to emerge. And, and, and I feel like they're going to be a nice transition there, but obviously that's going to be up for uh, the new manager to come in and, and, and solve that. Fortunately, they haven't had a lot of games to work through that, and I think that's going to be the big issue. I know there's some conversation about whether they should host the She Believes Cup again. The last time they've hosted that, you know, they've had – or excuse me, every time they've hosted it, they've had three – of the top five countries in the world competing in it. Now we're hearing that England, who's now one of their main adversaries, wanted to create their own She Believes Cup. So they might not participate in this one. We need good competition to prepare for the Olympics. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for, for the team moving forward. Not only, you know, player movement and who's sharp and who's not, and can we still rely on the older players to do the business when we have these younger players that are pretty good too, you know, and who's going to be the new leaders? Because we're so familiar with some of the names. Who's going to emerge and start to be, the, you know, the new uh, Becky Sauerbrough, and I think they're still going to be the big names are still going to be involved in this Olympics. But there is at some point, as we're seeing with, we'll say, Barcelona and Messi, because we had talking about him earlier, you're going to have to move past these people that you rely on and, and really start to give more ownership and responsibility and accountability to our younger players. And it took a while for our men's national team to get there because our, our middle area, that generation didn't really pan out. But now we're starting to see it and it's, it's starting to pay dividends. So the U.S. women will have to go through that as well. Every club, every country has to go through it. And we'll see how well and how seamlessly they do it. But, but they need some games ahead of the Olympics to really test themselves, to figure out that best 11 so we can go on and win another competition. Because that's what our women do. They're awesome.
1: Absolutely. Heath, uh, thoughts on the United States women's national team?
3: Well,
2: two things, uh, and I think Jimmy said it really well, but the two things that, that for me are important going into 21 are, one, the lawsuit seems to be settled which I think is a huge point. One for fan and, and, and uh, fan sentiment for, for U.S. soccer. And the other thing is the CBA, getting the CBA sorted out. And I think both of those are, are, are in good places from what I'm understanding, from what I'm hearing. And so I think that's a really positive moment to move forward, right? We've seen players not playing uh NWSL for the year we've seen players not playing the national team hasn't played a lot of games if you look at greg brohalter he's capped more players in his two years than, than than any other coach has in history i think we need the same thing on the women's side to get them some regular games and start bringing some more players through it's very much a a a small group uh that that, that usually make up the, the the women's national team player pool across all all of the the women players and i think bringing in more players and funneling in that next generation to see who's going to merge is really important so but I think first and foremost, getting those two things right will help to shift uh, just the sentiment uh, of, of the players playing within the women's national team, uh, U.S. Soccer Federation as well, as well as the fan sentiment. And I think if you can get those two things right, it's a good step towards going towards the Olympics and going towards all of these uh, important times uh, with, with, again, positive momentum.
1: Yeah. Since we are talking about uh, the U.S. from an international perspective, let's, let's stay here uh, before we take a break on MLS. Because MLS obviously will welcome Austin FC. They'll have some, uh, some new uh, storylines to come up. Obviously, it's been such a difficult year for everybody, but they've had to go through so many hurdles. Uh, the bubble tournament, of course, earlier this year, and then returning to league action. Um, there's been a lot going on, ending with Columbus Crew winning MLS Cup. What do we see? What do we expect? What do we predict from 2021 Heath Pierce and MLS?
2: That's a really good question. Uh I I I think the prediction is that I'd love to see a full season. Right. And obviously there's a lot of things you can't control within all that. I'd love to see fans back in the stadium being that the league is in our backyard. The one thing I've missed the most is being part of that. I I got to go to one game, Philadelphia union against LAFC this year. And I remember all of us standing, watching the game together as a group going like, this is amazing. It's so cool. And blah, blah, blah. Obviously we have some ties. I have some ties to Philadelphia union and LAFC. So that was a unique experience. And then like that, the fans were gone. The stadium was gone. The league was done for a little bit. So I think coming that, that importance to getting back towards uh, normalcy is, is, is what I'd like to see in 2021. You know, a little bit of that, you know, what, again, these, these things are uncontrollables, but the, immer- you know, shifting to, shifting to shifting to things we can control. Let's do that. Uh, I, I'd like to see, um, the U, a, 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 an MLS team do well in the Champions League. That's to me, is the thing that uh, the, the, the mo- I'm the most bitter about right now. Been so close so many times, and they've done well, well, considering. But when you compare that to League Amekis, uh that's the most important thing for me next year is win a Champions League. Everything else uh, can, can be whatever. I know Jimmy's excited about Austin, but I just want to see uh, a, a, an MLS team, whether in, from Canada or from the U.S., win a Champions League.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with Heath on that. You know, I'm still heartbroken. I watched the game, the Cacaca Champions League final, LAFC, who took down three hele- key teams leading up to the final against Tigres. 25 minutes away from, from being the first team to book a ticket to the FIFA Club World Cup uh, and and couldn't MLS team that is to do it and, and couldn't make it happen. Tigres then turned it on and scored two goals. Really, it's, it's heartbreaking. I would love to see that as well. We've been very, very close. I think the gaps being closed. I think there's a lot respect to from Liga M.A. Keys teams that MLS teams can play. And so that, that's a good sign, but you still got to win. You still got to punch them in the face and make it happen for them to really be true believers. And I think I, I liken it to when we beat Mexico in the World Cup in 2002. That's when that rivalry really shifted and changed, right? And I think we have to win. We have to beat a Mexican team in a meaningful competition, a big final. Mindset in a lot of different ways. I think. I, With regard to the league overall, I think it's going to be hard for the Columbus crew to repeat as champions. It's very hard to repeat, which is why I think we have so much respect for the Sounders for being in four out of the last five finals. I mean, that type of consistency is really something else. I think the crew will be there, of course, but this league is built on parity. You know, they have to find that weird blend of like, can we be like American sports, but then also kind of like the rest of the world? And I think MLS is kind of in that weird spot. Like, who do we want to be? What's our identity? And I think that's starting to sort itself out as we start to lose drafts and do more uh, you know, um, our own academies and developing our own players, which is obviously we're seeing a, a lot of good stuff, especially out of FC Dallas with Reggie Cannon and Brian Reynolds in particular. And then on the flip side with League MA Keys to talk North American, let's see if Leon can keep it up. They were they were deserved champions this past season. I thought they were very good, and, and it's not easy to repeat in that league either. So we'll see if they can get on a run and continue to win some trophies.
1: Yeah, to uh, to Liga MX's uh, theme, uh, Santiago Solari has been named uh, Club America's new manager, which is an intriguing one. Uh, for 2021, by the way, in MLS, oh, two things. Yeah, it is. Two things in 2021 that I'm interested in, in MLS. One is the continued development of academy players that are looking like pros you know, whether they stay in the league or head somewhere else, not just Americans, but like Latin Americans that also have like this dual identity that, you know, those storylines are, are, are interesting because they also pressure U.S. soccer to see how much do you care about keeping and developing these players. And then the other one is obviously, who's the next uh, superstar from Europe that's coming to MLS? Papu Gomez, maybe? Will Messi do a 180 and just come straight to MLS? I don't think so, but it's always intriguing to find that in 2021 all right when we come back we will wrap everything up as we return to europe and we discuss the european championships and of course predicting the player the big player that is ready to be a star next year stay right here all right we're doing well taking in mind all the connection things Brad brad will take care of it on editing so it's all good all right here we go five four three two Hey everybody! Welcome back to Keigo Lasso, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce to finish everything as we predict and tell the stories for 2021. Let's return to Europe and the European Championships. Obviously, they were meant to be in 2020. They will be in 2021 as soon as we hope of course and nothing major goes wrong some very very interesting storylines as we see the development of such big stars in europe jimmy conrad who do you see winning this one it's uh very intriguing uh we of course have the giants of of europe but also some former giants that are looking really weird like germany of course i don't know what to make of them as they look into that who do you see winning this uh european championship
3: can I say France for both the men and the women? I just feel like they've got so much depth. Uh, they're so good in so many different ways. Obviously, the the reigning world cup champion, so much experience. And and uh, you know, Camavinga, who's the 18-year-old for Ren, you know, he scored, he's the youngest scorer in France's history, in the last hundred years or whatever, when he scored recently. They've got that's just an example of how much talent they've got coming through their pipeline. And I think it's France's to lose in a lot of different ways. I know Spain is emerging with some young talent as well. Ferran Torres has been an, an excellent signing for, for Man City in particular to use him. Uh, Belgium, I, we're getting to the end, I think, of this golden generation of Belgium's team. You know, Lukaku's not getting any younger and his art can't stay healthy. Uh, Courtois is not getting any younger. You know, all these guys on that squad. I mean, this could be their last chance. Roberto Martinez, the manager of Belgium. Can they do it? England, of course, always hoping, but probably never going to. They're like the nearly team. They're going to nearly win and get everybody's hopes up. So then crash, crash out. Italy, I think, could, you know, have a chance. Germany, of course, very talented. But but I think this is France's to lose on both sides. I think the women are also excellent. I'm a big fan of uh, Wendy Renard, who's also the captain. Uh of uh Leon for, for the women, she's so good, and she I think she should have won the women's player of the year. No disrespect to Lucy Bronze. But uh yeah, she, she does it for both club and country, and I, I think they're they're gonna lead. I think France in both.
1: Yep, some very intriguing storylines. Of course, France being a major favorite, as uh Jimmy was talking about. I again I love England so much, but I just don't believe it under Gareth Southgate. Um, how do you see it, Heath Pierce?
2: I mean, I, I I love England in the last World Cup. The problem is that was a long time ago, um, and they were exciting and they rejuvenated and reenergized the country, uh, and and they were so fun to watch. But but um, I I like I like Holland actually. You know, didn't qualify for the last couple, and they're kind of going through their. It seems like these things are all cyclical, as you're seeing with Belgium, kind of coming to the end of their run and. Holland doesn't ha, has been really poor for a long time, but they seem to be uh, really exciting and getting results right now. Finished second in in the in the Nations League, so that's the that's the team. And and I agree with what a I said around France and 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 Germany as well. But I, I like England and I like Holland for these for this one.
1: Yeah, yeah. wow, you're a believer in Frank de Boer, huh? After everything that uh, he hasn't done in the final, <laughs> absolutely amazing. All right, let's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Spain. I think uh, I think Luis Enrique is finding a a rhythm here. I still worry about them up front, but they're just so talented. Uh, I think they could do some damage. But honestly, it's anybody's game. All right. Let's finish off this episode with uh, the major story that we want to talk about, which is, you know, we've seen so much talent in the last six months, in the last year, of course. Um, But we want to talk about, I I wanted to ask Jimmy and Heath about one specific player that they're a big player, right? So it's not like a shocker that you're going to hear here, but somebody that's going to turn into a star, a megastar. We're talking in the Ronaldo, Messi, Lewandowski kind of um, area. So uh, some, you know, they might not shock you their answer, but I think it's worth mentioning because there's a lot to to still see from these guys. So, Jimmy, let's begin with you. A player, a big player, that's ready to be a star in 2021.
3: I think it's pretty clear. The obvious choice is Erling Holland. I think it's Erling Holland's world, and we're just gonna be living in it here in the future. 2021, I think he'll continue to show that he's gonna be in that same conversation. And I think, Maybe more closer to like a Lewandowski type of player as opposed to Messi and Ronaldo who are a little bit more unique, I think, in their their skill sets. Holland, though, is unbelievable in, in and around the box. So I'm going to leave Holland out. I think that's the obvious choice. I really like Ansu Fati. I think if he can stay healthy for Barcelona, he could be really the the heir apparent for, for Leo Messi moving forward as Messi moves on to, to other pastures. Let's say, I don't know if they're going to be greener, but other pastures. And uh, I, I think that's going to be, you know, an opportunity for Ansu Fati to really step up. I know he's hurt right now, but when he plays, he was the La Liga Player of the Month in September uh, of this past season. And and he's one of the youngest goal scorers ever in Champions League history. He doesn't seem to be phased by anything. I think his his talent and skill, and that's a, probably not that big of an off, uh, you know, big of a stretch to name him as well. But I like his game uh, moving forward. I mentioned Camavinga a little bit earlier. I like his game. I th- still think he's got a, some room to grow. One player, though, who's not going to be in that messy Ronaldo category, but I think is going to be a super central midfielder moving forward is Ajax's Ryan Gravenberch, the 18-year-old, made his first team debut at 16. I really like his game a lot. Again, it's not going to be – he's not sexy, right? But he, he's such a good player, and I really think he's going to be a big signing for a club and really help whatever club he does sign with outside of Ajax to, to win some significant trophies when he starts to get into his peak years.
1: Some great, great answers there. Uh, what do you see, Heath Pierce, in twenty twenty one? A big player that's ready to be a star.
2: I think we'll see Florian Vertz, uh emerge at uh, at Leverkusen. I think he he stepped in as sort of the 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 next Kai Havertz. Obviously, seventeen years old, set youngest Bundesliga goal scorer, uh, which lasted six months until uh, who I think is going to be. The bigger uh, player to come out this year, uh, Yusufa Yusufa Mukoko, which who I think will be uh, a, a top level, and really really emerge this year as as, as we're going to see Holland Holland start to make his way out, and and Dortmund doing a good job of moving players on when it's time 2021 as a global super. Superstar Florian Verts as well. I think we'll start to get his caps with the national team. Uh, we could see him uh, as early as the summer in in, in the Euros and, and really emerging as a 17 year old um, into or yeah in, into sort of the next next level of, of being a star. So going from being a young talent to actually establishing themselves as a as a top player where nobody People are no longer talking about them as like, a hey, it's going to be great if he ends up being the player we want him to be, but actually being more of like a Holland type where it's like, okay, now they're hitting that, that world-class level. What's the ceiling for them? Those are the two players that I've got my eye on for 21.
1: That's great. That's great. I, I'm going to obviously, you have to mention er- Erlen Haaland. He is the next uh, that's really going to be one. Of, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some love here to my favorite USMNT player, Gio Reyna. Maybe not next year, but this kid is amazing. I think he is amazing. Keep your politics, keep your McKennies. Gio Reyna is an absolute star with the potential to be Uh, better than his father, possibly have an even better career. And that's a lot to say because, you know, his dad, Claudio Reina, was unbelievable for the U.S. But I think Giorena has the potential to be a ridiculous star. I don't know if it's 2021, maybe a year after that, but watch out for him. And by the way, Marcus Rashford, he's only 23 years old and England international already doing his thing. For The problem is always going to be as well, how far United can go, how far England can go. But Marcus Rashford is definitely something worth always mentioning just because he's so young and i feel like we forget that sometimes he's not 26 27 he's 23 he still has a lot okay then it. let's go with mbappe then i'm going with him. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm going yeah, with you, mbappe let's i thought we were talking under
3: 20 you're talking uh, <laughs> yeah. t- uh grown-ass yeah. ass men you know Yeah, i'm going with yeah, to there's this kid mbappe called
1: Lionel messi yeah. you heard of him he's pretty good <laughs> All right. So we'll stick with Garena. I know that you like that one. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being part of this. Any final thoughts as we say hello to 2021, Jimmy Conrad?
3: I will say I'm glad that 2020 is coming to an end. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot about myself and and some of my family members in a way that I never thought I would. Uh, And I I say that with nothing but love and admiration for everybody. But uh, yeah, it's been a challenge and I think we're all going to become stronger because of it. So I'm very excited for 2021.
1: Heath, how about you, my friend?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I
2: had my third daughter uh, this year. So I'm at uh, no pressure on the women's national team, but now they've got three... (laughs) Three fans in this household, and I just need them to win everything all the time uh, because, uh, you know, they're going to be, they're, they're already my inspiration, but I need them to be my, my daughter's inspirations as well. But I'm looking forward to 2021 and writing this one
1: off absolutely well listen to everybody i want to thank uh, jimmy conrad and heath pierce but thank you for being part of our Lasso family and i hope you're safe healthy and happy and just look ahead to the bright future that is 2021 thank you everybody thank you boys thank you jimmy thank you heath i want to thank jimmy conrad and heath pierce for joining me today don't forget to follow us on Twitter, KegolasoPod. Listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a rating and review. Have a great end to 2020, and here's to 2021. Have a great week.